Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Hemant. I'm Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast if you like the show to support uh, what we're doing. Thank you so much for that. Uh, hello. Hey. Are you ready to talk about all kinds of crazy things? I guess. All right. Do you want to start off with the fun one that ends up going crazy? Yes, please. That sounds really up my my alley right now. Have you heard about monoliths? Yes. Oh, my God. I'm so glad we're talking about this. They prove aliens exist, you see. Mm -hmm. Um, And they just show up everywhere. These giant obelisk-like mirror-type how many of them are there now? Because there think are three. One in Europe, and one that was in a Utah desert that was then taken down, uh-huh. and then one in California on top of a mountain. Hmm. And I heard theories. I mean, I heard theories that it was aliens. It's not. Sure. I heard theories that it was a marketing stunt. But the one in Utah was apparently there since 2015, which oh. would mean it's and no one saw it because it's like in the middle of the desert. And it's like, all right, well, someone's doing a slow burn on uh-huh. the publicity stunt. Maybe it was, <laughs> I think they were filming something from Westworld once in that desert. So maybe from there, but the show hasn't confirmed that. Okay. And also, why are they going up now in random places? It's kind of one of those like, it's probably a YouTube channel somewhere. I would say it's an art installation because I have more yeah. whimsy in my life than you do. <laughs> <laughs> that too. So like it could be any of these things, but whatever it is, it's one of those like, oh, this is amusing. It's a mm-hmm. random little thing that shows up in the most random places and I, we I, don't know who's putting them up. You have to admit, if you're walking through the desert or whatever and come across one of those things, it would be so fucking badass. Like it would be amazing. <laughs> So there's one in California on top of a place called Pine Mountain that, again, it went up randomly and it's amusing. And why is it here? Um, but here's the thing. On Wednesday night this week, uh, there was a live stream on a random channel on some social media site that's not YouTube. But it was a bunch of Christian men. I know this because they kept saying Christ is king mm-hmm. who videotaped themselves going on top of that mountain in California and just tearing down that monolith. And they basically said, the three guys, they pushed this monolith over okay. and they chant, America first and Christ is king. And one of them's wearing a MAGA headband. I was going to say, I thought there was a MAGA situation involved there. <laughs> and they they say it looks phallic, therefore it's gay. And then they replace hey, the monolith. Hey, have they seen New York City? <laughs> skyscrapers are all homosexual Uh, and then they replace the monolith with a wooden cross and they also say in the video and i'm quoting here christ is king in this country we don't want illegal aliens from mexico or outer space so let's tear this bitch down unquote That's a little bit funny to me that we don't want aliens from Mexico or outer space. Don't get, get it twisted. It's wildly offensive and horrible and comes from a mindset of people who are so deeply sickened by their like false sense of patriotism that they think that people from a hundred miles south of where they live currently are like horrible people. However, the, the alien the wordplay of aliens is quite funny to me. <laughs> And here's, I was wondering about this, like, what do you get out of replacing this thing with a wooden cross? And my thinking is, if anyone takes down this cross now, they're going to cry persecution. That is my theory. It's funny because there's so few crosses around the country that yeah. it's really good that they planted one in the middle of the desert because the otherwise, yeah, yeah, anywhere. many people might might see that for the first time. I find it really stressful for when people destroy things. I find that to be an extreme, like 
there's just something in me. I'm better now because I've been doing a lot of puzzles, but I used to have like real anxiety around like, I finished this puzzle. I'm done with it. I don't want to look at it. Like it's water, you know, it's yeah, colored pencils. I don't fucking need to stare at this. But like, I have a thing about like things being broken. So the idea of like going out to destroy something on purpose, I find extremely stressful. And so like out of my comfort zone that I do not understand why somebody would do that. Yeah. What this is why we can't have nice things, right? Oh my god. Wait, no. and did they and so it was that like what were they trying to did they think it was actually aliens and they were symbolically destroying it because they're so like into their xenophobia that any kind of alien is definitely something that needs to be destroyed and not sought out or learned about? I stopped listening to the question after you said, did they think? Because no. I don't know what the reason is other than the crap they're spewing on their uh, video. But it's, it whatever it is, it's just, it's Christian persecution taken to an extreme. Sure. And I'm, of course, it's mixed with like white nationalism and mega cultist. It kind of, this sort of is in like, of a similar vein of thinking when people talk about like, oh, sexual assault against women is X, Y, Z, and this is what we need to do. And people come from like Kool-Aid Manning, Kool-Aid Manning into the room, like, what about men? They get sexual assaulted too. And it's like, yes, absolutely. And that's something we should think about and talk about. But like, you you don't need to just like find out places to like stamp out things that aren't talking exactly about what you want to be talking about, like put across next to it or a hundred miles away in the same desert. I mean, it wouldn't make sense even if people were like gathering at this monolith to worship it, but they weren't even doing that. So like, there's literally no reason to destroy this thing. Cause you're like, how dare they worship something? That's not my personal God. And nor is it anything. I mean, it, I'm sure there's an interpretation of like, whoever made it could be, it could be a spirituality thing, but it's not like it's, you know, a big star of David or like a statue of um, Bahamut. I never can say that. Right. What's the, who's the goat guy, ba- Bahamut, Bahamut. Oh, Baphomet. Yeah, it's not like something that's very obviously a hot tip to a different religion or even like a totem pole, which represents Native American spirituality. Like none of that is is there. People would go to Stonehenge and be like, tear down these rocks, put up our cross. I mean, it's kind of fitting that the monoliths are a mirror and they're and so the people who destroyed it see whatever the fuck they want to in it. And what they see is like a hateful religion that they need to destroy. Think about it, Hammett. Maybe this is why I think it's an art piece, because I think the artists believed if they put these up, some idiots are going to get mad at it and tear it down. It took four years, but they were proven right. Yep. You gotta be patient with art, man. I guess so. Okay, different story in Australia, but this is a ride. Get ready for this, okay? Okay, Here, this takes a little bit of backstory, but it's worth it, I promise. Okay. Here's the story. In 2013, the Australian government is like, there's a lot of sexual abuse going on of children. We, I know we've heard about it in the Catholic Church, but it's not just the Catholic Church. It's going on everywhere. Mm-hmm. So their government sets up what is called the Royal Commission into Institutional Responses to Child Sexual Abuse. They put okay. six people on there. Um, I'm sure there were internal fights about everything. But like, for the most part, it, it yeah, this is like, imagine Democrats and Republicans saying, yeah, fine, we're good with this group of six people. Sure. Let them do their investigating and digging. And we will take the recommendations seriously after they have a chance to take the, like, they have the government power to call on witnesses and issue recommendations that the government should take and all that stuff. And yes, they heard from victims of Catholic priests. And yes, they heard from victims of rabbis. And they heard from victims of secular organizations, not atheists per se, but like Boy Scout type of groups. And uh, I don't know, Little League, I don't know what it is, but like all these groups that victims had said, I was abused by an older person. They took advantage of me. They abused me. They heard from these people. And Mm -hmm. after all, they did this again. They started in 2013. In I, several years later, they issued a final report in 2017, I believe. They issued a final report. This thing is like 16 or 17 volumes big, going into 
here is, for example, here's how this religion operates. Here's mm-hmm. what they say about sex and sexual abuse. And here is what basically happened. And after all this, they issued like more than 100 recommendations of what these organizations can do, what the government can do, and all of that. Mm-hmm. One of the recommendations that they suggested was creating what's called a national redress scheme. And this is controversial, but here, this is basically what they're saying. What do these victims do if they want to get justice of any sort? I know what we do in the U.S. It's they fend for themselves. Maybe mm-hmm. they file a lawsuit. Maybe politicians help expand the window because the statute of limitations may have expired. Sure. So you can try to file a lawsuit. But if you want to file a lawsuit, it takes friggin' forever. And you need the means to file a lawsuit and pay a lawyer and, you know, it, go through all that trauma. of Yeah. And the emotional toll it takes yeah. on yeah having to relive that. And again, those are like one-offs for the most part. Sure. It, you know, it's you against the world. So this redress scheme basically says, we're going to allow all these victims to go to our website, tell us, here's what I went through, here's what happened. Uh, let's assume they've, they have a way to figure out who's lying about it. But mm-hmm. assuming these are legit victims writing in saying, this is what happened. The government people who run this site could then calculate what that trauma is worth up to $150,000. <laughs> and they would, the victims would receive a check. And I could be wrong on this. I think that prevents them from filing any lawsuit in the future or anything like that. And I could be wrong about this. I was trying to look this up and I didn't see a definitive answer. Um, if any organization participates in it, like let's say the Catholic Church wanted to participate in the redress scheme they would kind of be immune from any other lawsuits. So that's kind of a win for them too. Now, here's the catch. In order to be part of this redress scheme, the organizations that harbored these abusers Mm -hmm. would have to say, yes, we're going to participate in this and we're going to give you money to give to potential victims. And there's a cap on that money, which is the upside for doing this. Um, but also the government said, no, we're going to pressure you to be a part of this. If you are not a part of this, if the Royal Commission said we heard from victims of, say, the Catholic Church mm-hmm. and the Catholic Church says, nope, we're not going to do this. We are going to use whatever power we have to name you and shame you. And uh, maybe we'll take away your tax exemptions. And that would be bad for you, wouldn't it? Um, so this has been going on. now, And again, there's plenty of criticism about the redress scheme. I'll give you one example. They say penetration is worth more than emotional abuse and other types of abuse. You can't get $150,000 because they have to create kind of a matrix. A hierarchy. Uh huh. And how do you do a hierarchy of abuse? Good luck with that. And also emotional trauma is not seen as on the same level as physical trauma. So I am not saying this is the right system or the best system or a perfect system. I don't really know what could be, but they had to create something in their minds, and this is what they got. So anyway, I'm going to avoid the ethical discussions about this. I'm sure they have them in the country, but they've moved past that now. They have this scheme. It's called a scheme. That's their word. Anyway, as of July of this year, there were six organizations that said we're not participating in the program which is actually a small number, but only six organizations said, we're not doing it. And then the government's like, here's who those organizations are. We're naming them. And then one of them was like, ha we're just kidding. We're going to sign up right now. <laughs> there's, you. Five, there's five left. And one of them, and by the way, I should say the Catholic church, like the Vatican, the whole institution said, we're not doing it, but we're not going to stop individual dioceses from participating and a whole bunch of dioceses said, yes, we'll participate. And like when the Catholic church is like, yeah, we're, we're doing this, you know, like the bar is not that high. Yeah. You got to beat the Catholic church when it comes to morality. Well, the, Jehovah, <laughs> the Jehovah's witnesses are not participating in this. And they're the biggest name on the list in terms of like globally known groups. Really? So now part of me is thinking, the Jehovah's Witnesses historically don't like cooperating with the government for anything. These are people who don't do the military service. They don't vote. They mm-hmm. don't run for office. 
they don't say the pledge famously. Like they don't like government stuff, but also they will totally take the tax breaks and the nonprofit status. Sure. But there are groups there. That's the one group saying we're not doing this. And because they're saying we're not doing this, the roughly 1800 victims who spoke with the Royal Commission and said there were about a thousand elders and the Jehovah's Witnesses who <laughs> abused us, uh-huh. they have no chance to get any money from the redress program because the Jehovah's Witnesses won't participate in it. And so it's like a double whammy on those victims who are being kind of abused again. Uh, I should say the Jehovah's Witnesses said, we're not participating because we don't have the institutional settings needed to be covered by the redress scheme, which whatever that means. But they also said, we have responded and we will respond directly to individual claims for redress in a caring, fair manner. Basically saying, we'll handle anything that victims come to us and say we had a problem. We'll deal with it. But Uh here's an example of dealing with it. The Jehovah's Witnesses, this is one example. There are many. They have something called the two-witness rule when it comes to taking allegations seriously. We've talked about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The two-witness rule says if you were a victim, there must be another another person who can testify to being a witness to your abuse. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of cases, guess who the only other person in the room is? The abuser. Yeah, the abuser, yeah. Who's not going to testify. And then the Jehovah's Witnesses have been known to say, oh, sorry, you don't have a second witness, can't do anything about this. So again, Jehovah's Witnesses but- are really, really bad at this. If they could handle shit internally, they wouldn't be in this mess. But the implication there is that the government can then go after them because they're not cooperating, right? Like, yes. Aren't, so they're playing. They're they're playing. Yeah. So you're getting you're getting to the end of the gambling, um, equivalent to this, but I can't find it in my brain. You're, well, here's what's happening this week because again, we knew about this over the calling summer. Their they weren't calling their bluff. Yes. yes, they were not participating as of the summer. Well, this week. Uh, one of their high-level officials in Australia, the social services minister, Anne Rustin, she tweeted this week, we are working on legislation now that will give the government the power to deregister a charity that did not participate in the redress scheme. They are, they are working on a bill that will punish groups that didn't participate. And if that passes, and it doesn't seem like it's as controversial as I feel like it would be here, um, <laughs> if that passes, they could revoke the Jehovah's Witnesses tax-exempt status, which would make it harder for anyone to donate to the Jehovah's Witnesses. And while you're kind of in a cult already to the point where you're already giving money to them, there's a lot of people, I think, who give money to religious organizations because they know they can write it off on their taxes. And if you took that away from them, they're not going to give as much or anything to those religious institutions. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they kind of deserve it, the Jehovah's Witnesses at this point, if that's what happens, but they do have until the end of the calendar year to say, okay, we'll participate but right now, I haven't seen any sign of them doing that. Interesting. Yeah. Fascinating story. I'm very curious to see how that plays out. Do you think that there are any, I don't want to say lessons, but do you think what Australia is doing gives us an idea of like what the US might do? Or do you think we're we're generally on our own path? <laughs> I do think it's, it's an important uh, thing for them to do. Uh, laws slightly different. So if this is what it takes to be able to help the victim somehow, which is to tell their stories, to get some sort of compensation in return, and to find a serious way to stop it from happening, because it's such a big problem. Absolutely. And, and all of these organizations at least say, like, we have these new programs in place to prevent this from ever happening again. I mean, that's great. Now, in the US right now, the biggest thing happening in terms of abuse is you have attorneys general who are going after places like the Catholic Church saying, you know what, we did the investigation already. Right. We got a grand jury report. Um, and we're coming after you criminally mm-hmm. because of all of this stuff. And you know what, there's a lot of dioceses going bankrupt. And again, good, they deserve yeah. it. So whatever works. Uh, I don't know if there's a system, though, for us that would allow for all victims to get anything. So the fact that we're... I mean, we have class action lawsuits, but that's not... I, it, would that be the same if it's across multiple diocese or across multiple religions? No, not a, it, it would have to be like one... 
culprit there. So again, it's a lot of patchwork on our end and they're trying to do it in Australia all at once, which again, if it works, it's something. Yeah. I'm hoping that this is successful and we see it sort of reflected elsewhere, even if in not the U S elsewhere in the world. Yeah. We'll see how that plays out. Um, If the Jehovah's Witnesses lose their tax designation though, who boy, good for good. Uh, This is a fun story. Kind of, Uh, you know how, Sometimes at abortion clinics, there are clinic escorts that help patients who are entering the building avoid Mm -hmm. like all those anti-choice protesters trying to shame them and call them murderers and all that stuff. So that is what a woman named Wendy was doing this week. She's a clinic escort. I don't know where she was, but there was an anti-choice protester on a sidewalk nearby a clinic. And there is video online of them basically yelling at each other from a distance, having their argument (laughs) because one person's calling the women uh, murderers and the clinic escorts are trying to uh, argue with them about stuff. That happens a lot. Mm -hmm. But at one point in this video, Wendy, the clinic escort, says to the protester, go off, Jennifer. Is that the validation you want from Sky Daddy calling people a coward? And in that moment, it's kind of glorious. That video went so viral that the phrase Sky Daddy, which I've seen on plenty of atheist forums over the years. Sure. pejorative. But people are having so much fun with Sky Daddy online because they've never heard the phrase before. Describe God. Oh, that's I didn't know they'd never heard it. But so many people seem to be like, this is their first time. It's like hearing Flying Spaghetti Monster for the first time. And they're all like flipping out. Someone tweeted, Sky Daddy has the worst fandom. (laughs) Like, there's so many things. That's very, very good. Wendy Shannon, by the way, actually said in a separate tweet, because one of her friends who was there videotaped the whole thing and and put it on TikTok, and that's where it went viral. Wendy tweeted, hey, that's me that they are talking about. And she actually says there, the next day, I actually went to go get brunch with Jennifer thinking, why don't we have a conversation and maybe off camera and let's see if that helps us resolve anything. Uh And nope, didn't play out that way because this Jennifer woman basically was trying to convert her on the spot. It didn't work because Wendy's smarter than that. Can I tell you my like mild piece of disappointment about how that story shook out? Yeah. Well, A, if it were like a Hallmark Christmas movie, those two women would fall in love and live happily ever. Of course. Obviously, that was probably off the the table in the first place. That one, I'm sure we know someone at Lifetime who would be. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, However, I was really hoping that she was using the, like calling her Jennifer as a pejorative. (laughs) Like 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 Karen or Karen. Like a millennial Karen. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed that her name was actually Jennifer. Jennifer. (laughs) 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 Because Jennifer is definitely a a millennial name because statistically every uh, girl who was born in the 80s is named either Jennifer or Jessica. I don't make the rules. It's just, it's a statistical fact. I will believe you. I I have never had that scenario myself. So <laughs> there. Let's talk about Georgia for a second because yeah. it's just it's amusing me how Republicans are in disarray. Then again, Democrats will always find a way to screw up an election. So oh, yeah. don't, don't quote me on that. Sort of a jam. Yeah, but uh, so Donald Trump's like shadow legal team of people who don't represent him because they're not Rudy Giuliani, but are representing him because they wear mega hats. They're in Georgia this week telling Republicans not to vote in the runoff elections because Georgia's rigged because the Republicans who run the state are almost trying to do the right thing. And we can't have that happen in the Republican Party. And there was okay. the whole point I want to make is there were two attorneys in particular, Lynn Wood and a woman named Sidney Powell, who filed a lawsuit that is being made fun of left and right online because it has typos. She's like in the wrong state. She names plaintiffs who are like, I didn't sign on to this. She doesn't this know what she's she, doing. Is this one where she says, uh, spells the governor's name wrong too? She, I probably, probably. Okay. Yes. So anyway, those two are in Georgia saying like, don't vote for Republicans. They haven't earned your vote. And now Trump is flying in there on Saturday to say, 
sure, you should vote for them, but you know he's just going to talk about himself for 90 minutes or something. Anyway, (laughs) during this Stop the Steal rally, there was a woman, she seems fine, she goes up on stage to ask a question during a Q&A session, which is what you do at rallies. There's, and she asks wait, a question. Are the Q and A's? I've never been to a political well, rally. I don't think. I've, you've never been to a Trump rally, but I don't. That's they don't fair. do anything. So they're just like, yeah, yeah, don't vote, don't vote. All right. Does anyone have any questions? Because we got to kill time here. And this lady comes up and basically says, "I'm paraphrasing. All my friends call me crazy because I keep saying the election results will be overturned. What should I say to them?" And she's asking the right people because Linwood and Sidney Powell <laughs> are crazy. And here's what Linwood. Oh, she also says this. This lady goes on to say she says, "Sidney Powell, you're like my hero." And what should I do about these people who call me crazy? And Linwood <laughs> is like, "Sydney, I'm going to give you the mic in a second, but hello, lady. Let me talk first. I'm going. I'm quoting now. I'm going to tell you quickly what I tell them. The people who call me crazy. You tell them." That only one perfect man walked on the face of this earth. And they said he was crazy too, but he wasn't crazy. He was Jesus Christ. You tell them they said the same thing about Jesus. Ooh, that's not the argument they think it is, huh? (laughs) So to be clear, the story Uh of Jesus is about a guy who gets persecuted, then gets killed for it, then Uh comes back to life. Uh The story of Trump Involves a dude pretending to be persecuted, Correct. who pretends to be a victim, and then refuses to even admit he was defeated at all, much less coming back from it later on. Not exactly the same story, except it's all fiction, I guess. Yeah, I would argue there's some fundamental differences, but I'll be damned if I can uh, find them right now. It's it's a perfect one to one analog. Didn't walk around grabbing pussy. I don't know. I don't know that. Jesus wore his own logo on a hat is the thing. He should have. He would have had better marketing. It might have been better marketing. You know what, Hammond? I'm glad you brought that up because the entire song Jesus Christ Superstar from the musical Jesus Christ Superstar is about the marketing of Jesus Christ. And I think we need to talk about that more. I have this is not a this is not a subtweet. This is a genuine question I have for you because I have felt very strongly about this all week. So Barack Obama said earlier this week in one of his interviews that there was a problem with the slogan, defund the police. It's bad marketing. It turns off people and it's harder to win them over. And I kind of agree with the fact that, yeah, I'm sure there are people who are like, how dare you attack the police? And Mm. it's an easy cudgel to use against people. But also I'm thinking there's no phrase you could use to argue for because no one's saying let's like eradicate police. They're saying let's move money to where it needs to go, not to people with weapons who go after homeless people or right. whatever. That's the gist of it. And if you say defund, some people who are too ignorant to look into it are like, What? You want to take away all police? What am I gonna do? That's not what anyone's really saying. Right. But in any case, it's like, I don't know what slogan Obama you want to use that you think is going to win over Republicans who are hell bent on opposing anything you say you of all people, Obama should know that like mm-hmm. if you said, let's redistribute the kind of money we give to cops so that it helps all people or whatever catchier version of that there is. Do you honestly think some people are going to be like, Oh, well that's all it. Okay, fine. <laughs> I like, I don't know what slogan these people want that they think I, Look, I agree. It's not great marketing if that's all you see. But the mm-hmm. point is, if you said, let's try to think, rethink policing, it wasn't getting anywhere. No one was paying attention until they said defund the police. And now at least we can have that conversation. And also, it's not like there was a fucking vote on the slogan. Right. <laughs> we did, right. This did not come from like... Slogan that was right. like thought through some... Focus and means tested and all that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I really, I I think he kind of hit everything I want to say well, because I, A, I do think that, well, it, it kind of is, I understand the frustration on both sides because 
when you when we say defund the police, like you said, you and I understand the the nuance of what that means. Does that mean that there are no cops anywhere anymore? No, that maybe that's some Virgos, but but what we're saying, like you said, is shifting funds, which is the you know keyword to fund, shifting funds to uh, mental health care, you know, housing for for the for the unhoused, all that stuff. And when we say defund the police, it's really easy to be really reductive about it. Um, I feel like it's it, like it, it's very easy to be reductive about it because it does sound on the surface like, yeah, no, no more police, period. Um, the problem for me is the people who are misreading defund the police as there should be no more police, period, ever are not doing so intellectually, honestly. If they took a beat to hear, to understand like what what that all involves, which it involves, you know, demilitarization of the police more so than, you know, firing everybody. But but we can't, no matter what we say, people aren't going to be intellectually on it. It's sort of like the same idea of like, oh, we shouldn't use socialism because socialism is right. such a boogeyman for the right. But- right. Every a very good point man for the right. They oh, got yeah. mad at Green New Deal. Like, oh, totally. I was I was listening to some people talking about this. They were like, abolition. You think abolition went over well like a oh, hundred some years ago? Of course it didn't. Whatever March on Washington was <laughs> I think someone said, like, why don't they use something that is a better positive phrasing like March on Washington, whatever they did in the 1960s. And mm-hmm. people were just responding to that conservative with like, oh, yeah, you guys handle that one so well. Yeah. I that, and I would think as atheists, we are used to the idea of like, oh, it's such a negative word. Why don't you mm-hmm. rebrand the word? Why don't you use something positive? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, humanist, does that work for you? And no, most, I like, of course as, by and large, I think most people would have to be like, I don't know what that means. Like, well, so it's an they, atheist it's, with a positive they don't have spin. A, yeah, they don't have a problem with the word. They have a problem with our literal existence. Yeah. And that's the same thing. They have a problem with the <laughs> people calling for defund the police. Mm-hmm. They don't, it's not about the slogan. It's about who's saying it and the type of people there. They got Colin Kaepernick. Everything he went through, because why? Did he do something mean and evil? No, he kneeled. They're mad about everything. Let's yeah. stop pretending it's the slogan that's the problem. Yeah, it, it is. But but like, fight I, me I, on this, people listening. You can send your emails to Jess. No, no, you can't. You can't. I won't read them. And if I do read them, I'll read them in a funny voice to my dog. Um, no, uh, but but also like. I don't think we should count out Barack Obama as somebody who knows what the fuck he's talking about when it comes to campaign slogans. Like he's yes, we can and change. And those are both like, yeah, ambiguous, but powerful and, you know, brought an entire movement yeah. that, that like the guy knows what he's talking about when it yeah, comes and this to is why uh, the reason I wanted to bring this up is because this isn't something I'm just hearing from conservatives. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing it from a lot of people I I had and still have respect for Obama included in that sense mm-hmm. where you're right. Like, I, I, mean, I don't want to dismiss it coming from him, but I'm well aware that there is going to be I, I know what the marketing there's going to be a pushback. conversation is like, but also. Also, those same people should know better than to say, well, if only they had a different slogan, things would have been better. Mm-hmm. And if someone like Obama with the platform that he has isn't the one saying the slogan, I, I understand the problems with the slogan, but the slogan isn't the problem. It's the way people treat those people who are marching and protesting. That's the problem. That's what the focus ought to be. But no, he just kind of complained about the slogan, too. And it's like you're playing into the Fox News hands. What are you doing? Um, all right, let's move on to a different story. Oh, I have a genuinely happy story for you. Oh, good. You are going to enjoy this because the headline is kind of everything here. Uh, I'll start with the, the backstory here. There is an anti-gay uh, politician in Belgium. He is a founding ruler, uh, a founding member of the ruling party there. This is a guy who is a close friend of their dictatorial uh, Victor Orban uh of prime he's a that not same country but he's a close friend of prime minister victor orban this is a guy who's very anti-gay and he's in um 
He's a senior Hungarian politician. I'm sorry. I said he wasn't. Uh, Orban, ignore me. It's early. Um, I haven't fully. It's new. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Also, I coughed a second ago. Wasn't it you? It was because my dog fell down the stairs a little bit. And Got it. just the dumbest. Let me get this right. The, okay. the guy I'm talking about is a senior Hungarian politician. Not Belgian. He, not Belgian. But he went to Belgium. Uh-huh. And then he was arrested in Belgium. Because this anti-gay dude, guess what he was arrested running away from? Gay, gay, gay people, gay, gay, gay. You're so close. Oh, um, uh, okay, just tell me. Gay party? No. Oh. A gay orgy. <laughs> the anti-gay politician was caught running away from a gay orgy. And they caught him because he's Wait, breaking so, I'm all sorry, the COVID I want to be clear. He was participating in the gay orgy. And then I and don't then know when, what he was doing, but he was there. And the party's host has said, I'm going to quote the party's host directly here. I always invite some friends to my parties who then bring others. And we have a good time together. We talk a little, drink something like in a coffee. The only difference is that in the meantime, we also have sex with each other. I don't see nothing wrong with it. And there is, there, nothing, dude. there is nothing, I mean, in COVID, maybe, there is nothing right. wrong with that. And I don't care if this politician is participating in that either. Again, more power to you. Like, it's the hypocrisy that's the first issue. I bet a queer Belgian or- orgy fucking slaps, too. I bet it's man. so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> and he also, this is a guy who was like arguing against marriage equality in the Hungarian constitution. And like a decade ago, they did exclude same-sex marriage from the Hungarian constitution. Mm -hmm. He also, um, the parliament right now is limiting adoption to only straight couples. Like this is a guy who's a part of that. Uh, And his colleagues have said, um, the members of that parliament, we thank this dude. His name is Joseph Sager. I'm not pronouncing that right, but he basically saying we appreciate his crucial role in enabling Hungarian civic conservatism and Christian democracy. Like it's that guy. And by the way, when he was arrested, his argument was that I'm sorry I didn't. Uh, I'm sorry I violated my quarantine. I shouldn't have done that. That's the end of my statement. Whoops. And he didn't mention what the party was about. That's extremely good. I he also added, like I, did not, I did not use drugs. I offered the police <laughs> an instant test, but they did not do it. According to the police, they found an ecstasy pill, but it's not mine. <laughs> that is the only thing that happened. Let me go back to my life. Please don't mention the gay sex orgy that was <laughs> happening in the room that I also happened to be in. <laughs> Let's not talk about it. Guy who is now in every headline with the phrase all male orgy in Brussels. I'm so sorry. The fact that they found an ecstasy tablet in this orgy is for some reason the funniest part to me. Like, I've never been to an orgy personally, but were I to go, I hope there's like a fucking bowl full of Molly that we can all dip into. And ecstasy tablet is. Let me ask you this: If I told you there was a headline that began "anti-LGBTQ leader caught," dot dot dot, every single person listening to this would know exactly how that story ends. Absolutely. I mean, but God, a Belgian queer orgy does have a little onion headline tinge to it because it's just a little too far. It's not just an orgy. It's not just like. A gay party. It is a. I mean, had it just been a, an all gender orgy, so be it. But it wasn't. Oh wait, so it was only men. I'm sorry. Only I men. Only men. Just like a lot of gender fluid and sexual fluidity. Oh, just it's only dudes. men. Well, that adds an interesting, fun wrinkle, doesn't it? Because he can't even like. I like you and I obviously don't think there's anything morally problematic with an orgy. It's everything else surrounding this story. That's the problem. The orgy is like the 90th weirdest thing going on. It's not weird. I'm just saying that's not the priority in this story. It's literally everything else. Does 
<laughs> Does the- <laughs> I want to see a sketch of this because it feels like every 80s movie when two cops go undercover into a bar and then they realize it's a gay bar after 25 <laughs> minutes. Like, oh, the men are so nice here. I, like, that's just what it kind of rings of, of like just an old person in the 80s or 90s. And yeah, I kind of want. Oh, the ladies are so nice to each other here. Everyone's hugging and kissing. Oh, isn't that nice? I like your leather hat. <laughs> I want the politician to be like, what? That's what's going on here? I thought it As was a his- boys club, a non sexual boys club <laughs> with leather harnesses. Oh, Christ, that's very good. Oh, man. Oh, speaking of anti-gay, let's go to Oklahoma. (laughs) Okay. Actually, before I do that, um, I want to give a shout out. This seems like a good time. Let me give a shout out to a sponsor. Hey, we have a sponsor. Um, I think that most of our listeners would agree that a serious challenge of our time is that we as Americans no longer agree on common sets of facts. And part of the problem is that we don't really know how to think critically. So there's a podcast called Being Reasonable. They've sponsored us before. It's an awesome podcast. It's an unconventional but timely show where the host, Mark Solomon, examines just one belief that an invited guest claims to be true. It could be any belief from I believe in astrology to I believe Jesus is a God to I believe we survive our deaths. And the goal of being reasonable is to have guests critically examine the reliability of their own beliefs and to pinpoint under what circumstances they would be willing to change their beliefs. If you've seen it online, it's a form of something called like street epistemology. So being reasonable helps model and develop the skills required to better evaluate the truth of any belief. Uh, Teachers have begun using the podcast as a remote teaching aid. And if you're a fan of this show, you will probably really like being reasonable. So it's available wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out. The host is Mark Solomon. And we thank that show for sponsoring this show. Thank thank you. you Hey, if you want to sponsor our show, email us at friendlyatheistpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. Okay, so let's talk about Oklahoma. So the governor there is a guy named Kevin Stitt. And this is a guy... Uh, who has been promoting Christianity ever since he got into office. He is an anti-vaxxer. The Mm. day he got inaugurated, he held an inaugural prayer service. And back in March, he even declared a statewide day of prayer, which, guess what, didn't help. What? And Oklahoma is one of those states that is really struggling right now because their leadership is very conservative and doesn't do mask mandates and... Uh, while the population isn't as big as some other states, like that, they're struggling just like everyone else right now. So what did Governor Kevin Stitt do this week to respond to the COVID crisis and to honor the victims who have been lost because of the negligence of him and his team? He issued another proclamation oh, finally. to ask everyone to pray and stop eating for a day which is not how you combat COVID, uh, but that's um, what he did because he's not doing anything else. It's a day of prayer and fasting for the victims of COVID-19. They thank you for your not eating anything. That's, I all. Am that's all he did. Befuddled. Because, I mean, don't you need to eat to keep your body strong to try to avoid you know, diseases or am I missing that? I mean, it's that part of it. It's not helping. Fasting does not help defeat COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, But honestly, even if he called it a day of prayer and gorge yourself on anything, that also would not help. Yeah. I guess the the, the fasting part, huh? It's more. (laughs) more I'm avoiding the subject. Remember everyone, I'm a Christian. You Mm -hmm. can't hate me. That's kind of the story here. Wow. That's cool. Cool as usual. Fun. Glad. Hey, if you're listening to this, run for fucking office. Like, you have to be. If you're listening to this podcast, statistically, you are smarter than this idiot who we're talking about. So, like, go do it. I'll write you some slogans. It will be great. Let's. So while we're talking about a mask mandate, and we know how to write slogans, yes. While we're talking about a mask mandate, in Rapid City, South Dakota, 
again, South Dakota, Republican-led. It's mm-hmm. not doing well right now. It's one of the worst states in the country in terms of people per capita having COVID. Um, but a couple of weeks ago, the city council in Rapid City voted six to five in favor of a local mask mandate. So that's good. Fine. Like it's way too close for comfort. The mayor had to break the tie, but there's a local mask mandate there. Great. Um, but then this Holy week- shit. Wait, sorry. Um, yeah. The U.S. House just passed a bill to federally decriminalize cannabis. Yay. Holy shit. I mean- it's good because they haven't done that yet. It's not going to get anywhere unless they win the two Senate seats in Georgia. And even then, I don't know that it will, but that's a good Still, step. That's really exciting. Sorry to, to yep. interrupt. That is good. That's important. Um, that's why you want a House majority because mm-hmm. like, these are easy things to fix, but you need the votes. Um, so this Rapid City, they voted six, six to five for the local mask mandate. This week, they voted nine to one to override it with a new mandate that actually waters down the mask mandate. So here's what it says. Um, If you're not wearing a mask, but you go to a restaurant, we're not going to come in to arrest you or fine you or anything. It'll be up to the businesses. So that's one thing. So like Panera has to get mad at you, not us. (laughs) Um, So restaurants or stores, they do not have to have a mask requirement at all. Like it literally does next to nothing. And one of the things is at this meeting, they had a million people coming in to make public comments. Most of them were not wearing masks at Mm -hmm. like City Hall, even though that's a rule they have at City Hall. Mm -hmm. Um, But among, if you watch a compilation of what some of these people are saying, there's a lot of anti-maskers there. One person said, God created a nose, mouth, and chin to use daily. As if wearing a mask means you can't use any of those body parts. The Honestly, the stretching, like sort of the backfilling of reasons why they don't want to do something is so astounding. Like it's the same with masks. It's the same with that monolith. They want to be mad about something and they need to like dig deep to find something that sort of connects those two things. The lady who said that, by the way, was wearing glasses. Like God, (laughs) she thinks the God who created her eyes to use daily gave her broken eyes that she needs to fix by herself. To keep her humbleness, Hammett. God, read a fucking book. (laughs) There was someone else who said, "This is South Dakota, where under God the people rule." Which okay, whatever. Under God the people. Another one. Wait for it. This is the last guy. God did not put his breath inside you to be a disease spreading monster. Therefore, COVID, I'm now paraphrasing, therefore COVID doesn't exist, so we don't have to wear masks. Because why would God make you a disease spreading monster, says Guy, who's never heard of the cold? I was going to say, like, he knows that people get sick and die, like, all the fucking time, right? Like, why is this the thing that, like... We had the Spanish flu in 1920 or 1919. 18, yeah. yeah. 18, thank you. Like, the plague killed, like, two-thirds of Europeans or something astounding like that. Like, this isn't the first time people have died en masse because – not to mention we live in a a, a society now where a lot of these diseases that were spread by our, honestly, disgusting breath – was fatal and a lot of it isn't anymore because of medical science so are we doing wrong like if i take a cold like a cough uh, a cough drop for my cough am i why am are I- you getting in the way of god's plan? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so wild um i w- i saw that clip of him saying that and i'm like what the hell was the context what else did this guy say so i looked up the original video and it was shocking to me this guy says First of all, he's a father of four, so that's troubling. But he says, you know, I appreciate that everybody's, I appreciate everybody that's a lot smarter than me here. Because he was saying, I don't have any statistics, which, uh uh-huh. And then he says, get this, I have a sick son that I can't see because I refuse to wear a mask. Because, (gasps) Because, he said... I have asthma and therefore I don't, I can't wear a mask, but then the, I guess hospital wouldn't let me see my son, 
which first of all, good. The hospital shouldn't let you let you if you're not going to wear a mask. But also, it's not covering you up forever. And it's doing it for the safety of your son. Like if you have a medical condition, I get that that may be an issue. But again, this guy is arguing for people without medical conditions to also not wear a mask. Like, ah, I and then, cannot way, believe it. Hitler. I mean, of course, I can believe it. But Jesus Christ. And then he cited Hitler. <gasps> no, I, no, I no, 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 no. I forgot the context, but he did. Just saying this is the sort of thing like Hitler did. Oh, Christ on a fucking crutch. That's and then the rough city stuff. council said, yeah, you guys got a point. So they voted nine to one to override the mask. Maker. Oh, neat, neat. Oh, gang. Good job as usual. We're really kind of nailing this thing. I don't see any problems in the future. And then I saw people tweeting today like, oh, Joe Biden wants us in lockdown. Why would we do a lockdown when it hasn't worked? Because we haven't done one, you moron. Oh, okay. boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Um, there is a pastor named Todd Coconato, um, who is a mega cultist, but he routinely interviews evangelicals, the sort of which appear around Donald Trump all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so this guy has a has a show, podcast, YouTube channel, whatever. But um, I wouldn't necessarily care about him, except he does have connections to the same people who surround Trump and get in his ear. Mm-hmm. So he was complaining about how, uh, you know, Biden won the election and this is anti-God. And he's saying God's going to help Trump overturn those election results. And I'm going to quote here. Um, He was saying that not only is that going to happen, I do believe we're going to see God move on our behalf. And I think it's going to be such a miracle and sign and wonder. Now get this, because this is important. Get this, because this is important. I believe it's going to be such a miracle, sign, and wonder as this takes place that the people, that even the godless, even the atheists, are going to look and say, wow, look at the God that they serve. Look at the God that they serve. Because people are going to say it was impossible. So in general... This guy is saying that the election will be switched and reversed and go in Trump's favor. And Mm -hmm. when that happens, Mm -hmm. atheists will convert because they will not be able to understand how God made that happen. As if, I don't know, Republican corruption is the same as proof of God's existence. That is a lot for me to take in, to be honest. Yes, and by the way, he was filming in a car, I think, while he oh, was driving. Of course he was. He has shit to do and places to go. Yes. Where is this guy going? This is the guy that needs to be locked, like, in home. Honestly, like, I, I've i put, like, 14 miles on my car this year. I don't know where <laughs> all these people are driving to. Yeah. It's um, winter. Where are you going? Let's talk about Scotland. What's going on there? Okay, Scotland is once again uh, fighting for me to come take up residency there. Um, Scotland is my favorite country, and they just, I feel like we come, it it comes up a lot on this show because they tend to do stuff pretty well. Anyway, once once again, knocked out of the park, um, Scotland is the first country in the world to make period products free. Uh, which is very, very exciting. It's it's now a legal duty on local authorities to ensure that free items such as tampons and sanit- excuse me, sanitary pads are available to anyone who needs them. Um, so they describe period poverty, which is a, a very real thing people deal with of you cannot afford, you know, people who get periods are faced with a, you know, maybe not huge burden, but not an insubstantial one of having to make sure they have the correct products so they don't ruin their clothes or ruin, you know, like public places, things like that, if they bleed through their pants. Um, So I think I read somewhere like, did they say one in four women are affected by this there? Yeah, one in uh, one in four respondents at school, college, or university in Scotland have struggled to access period products. Ten um, percent of girls in the UK, um, fifteen have struggled to afford them. And like, like I have been at a position that like buying a box of tampons was like a big, like big ticket purchase. Um, so this is, I think, really, really great. It. It just, it feels like the right thing to do. You know, anywhere you go, you can get fucking toilet paper. Nobody expects you to like BYOTP 
Um, so this feels like the logical extension and, and something that a, that a uh, first world country would see as a good next step to make sure that the people of their country are, are taken care of and comfortable and happy because I don't know, like I know people are all about small government or whatever, but you know, what the fuck is the point of government if we're not making people's lives better when we can. Right. Yeah, it's good. I, I don't know why other countries don't do I mean, I know why they don't do it because they're dysfunctional. But this is what happens when you have a functional government. Um, also, <laughs> that uh, story you just told about the um, the pastor who thinks atheists will convert to Christianity. Yeah. I had sent that as a link to you and I usually just read the headlines and send them over to you and then do more research later. But then I, <laughs> I just scrolled down and I realized um, it's like they cite a flag, a video flagged by the friendly atheist Tement Meta. So I was like <laughs> selling your own fucking reporting back to you. That's <laughs> how the internet works, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah like that. you're ubiquitous, I guess. That's how I roll. I got one last story for you. This one involves uh, Eric Metaxas, who is the racist Christian um, who sucker punched a dude on a bike. And so (laughs) he's a friend of Donald Trump. That's not funny, but like punching a guy on a bike is a very funny visual. Just out of nowhere. And then he like weirdly retreated while running backwards and he... And because he wears like a suit and bow tie sort of thing, like he runs exactly as you would expect him to run. Anyway, so this guy is all in on Trump. Um, and he used like he used to be known for writing a biography of a guy who fought the Nazis. And look at how that changed real quickly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. one of the things he said, he interviewed Trump this week. And one of the things he said in there to Trump is, quote, I'd be happy to die in this fight. This is a fight for everything. God is with us. And he's referring to overturning the election results. And it just strikes me that this guy is wants to pretend kill himself in a pretend fight. Mm-hmm. Like that's what Christian martyrdom is to this guy. They have no actual instances of persecution, but he thinks he's a badass for saying, I will put my life on the line, which he won't for this thing that has no chance of succeeding. And mm-hmm. then he walks back from it saying, yeah, I'm a, I'm good at this. I'm a strong <laughs> guy. Everyone else is weak. <laughs> I It's uh, so much Christian persecution right there. It's really quite wild. It's really quite wild what they uh, what they think. Oh yeah, yeah, it's so exhausting. Um are you done? I'm done. All right, um I just had one um thing to sort of leave off with. So like strong bummer alert coming, I guess. <laughs> Uh, so last week I had a miscarriage. Um, I talked to heaven. I talked to heaven about it last week when it was happening and, you know, we were recording and I don't want to talk about it then. Um, cause I was still in the midst of it. Uh, it happened basically Wednesday and then I went in for some tests on Wednesday. Couldn't get the results back before close of business on Wednesday. So I had to wait until Friday cause it was Thanksgiving um, I was only six weeks along. I'm physically completely back to normal. Everything's okay. Um, but it was just something I wanted to bring up because it's just, it's one of those things that's so incredibly common. It's something like, oh, I have the Mayo Clinic thing up here. It It's like something like 10 to 20% of known pregnancies end in a miscarriage. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's something that a lot of people go through and we are sort of trained and I don't know if it's as people or women specifically, but we're sort of trained that it's a, it's a secret and it's something to be, I don't, I don't know, ashamed is the right thing, but it, it's just something very, uh, something that is not appropriate to, to talk about. Um, and I just think that kind of increases the stigma of it because the reality is for the most part, miscarriages aren't anybody's fault. Just shit happens sometimes. And, um, and it's, it's incredibly painful. It's incredibly, it was a deeply, deeply sad event in, in my life and my husband's life. And it, you know, it's not the worst thing that's ever happened to me, but it (laughs) was, was, was hard. I was, I've been deeply uh, and fundamentally sad, for um for the last week um 
And I don't know, I just, I, I feel like I am the kind of person who is mm, extroverted to a fault, maybe. Um, and that's why I talk about my depression on here or sexual assault I've experienced. And I think that the more we talk about it as a collective, the easier it is to to deal with. Um, because, dang, those odds, 10 to 20%, that's one out of five. It, it happens. And... And I think what I have learned, it, it, it's only, it's only sort of hardened my um, passion for, uh, for abortion rights because I was like, I, 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 if it's okay with you, I'd like to sort of talk about it. So when we talk about, oh, X week term, you know, X week abortions are, are, are banned after, after a certain amount of weeks. Um, I, my period was, I was taking pregnancy tests every single day. My period was a couple days late and they were still coming up negative. Um, and then finally one day I took a second one later in the morning because I was just like feeling off and that one came out positive. Um, and at that point, and I, <laughs> I called, um, my doctor, my, my, my just regular doctor to tell her what was going on. And she's like, okay, so you are five weeks along. And I was like, that's really fucking wild because I just missed my period and the test just came out positive today. But the reality is when you, when they measure pregnancy, they do so from the start of your most recent period. So the moment I found out I was pregnant, and again, I was looking for it. I was taking tests every single morning. We've been trying to get pregnant for more than a year. Um, every morning I took a test, and every morning it was negative until I just sort of went with my gut and tried to take it again. So when we say that abortions before eight weeks or whatever or six weeks are are banned, we're we're talking about somebody who may have just literally just found out they were pregnant or had some spotty and thought they had their period and moved on. I was tired, but I didn't have any morning sickness symptoms. Um, I had a lot of like my boobs hurt like fucking hell, but that also happens before my period. The idea that we need to hold women to some invisible standard of when they have decided they want to carry a pregnancy and when they don't, is is further like a it's nobody's decision but the woman and her doctor and b we have to realize the reality of what being pregnant is and it's not like all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're vomiting in the morning and it's abundantly clear it it it's can be subtle and can take you by surprise and if i wasn't looking into it if i wasn't expecting to get pregnant if i wasn't consistently taking tests. I don't know when <clears throat> I don't know when I would have found out because by the time I miscarried when I was about 6 or 7 weeks along, uh, if I hadn't been paying attention and don't track my period, which I know a lot of people don't, I would have absolutely just thought it was a period. So all that's to say is a lot of people are going through a lot of shit right now. So be kind to those around you. Um, be empathetic to the invisible battles that people are fighting. Don't ever fucking ask somebody when they're getting pregnant or whatever, because <laughs> I actually have a, a funny story. Um, so on Thanksgiving day, I was, um, on a zoom call and we'd been planning on telling our parents on Thanksgiving day, partially because they were, everybody was upset that we couldn't get together for Thanksgiving. So it was, it would have been seven weeks. It was extremely early to tell people, but we just wanted to inject some happiness into lives because Thanksgiving fucking sucked this year. And my sister-in-law, who's the sweetest person in the entire universe out of the clear blue sky on zoom is like, Jess, how's the baby? And my, <laughs> mine and Mikey's face is just like, dropped and then she asked it again because like there was a lot of noise she has kids who were making a lot of noise and we realized i realized i think rarely fairly quickly but it felt like about 15 years that she was talking about my niece who's like six, six months old <laughs> and that she probably couldn't remember my niece's gender or her name <laughs> and so that was 
the wildest thing that's ever happened to me in my entire like literally i had to like lay down on the couch so i could get out of frame and just roll for a second um anyway i hope that by me talking about stuff like this it it lend it it adds to the destigmatize stigma you say it destigmatization destigmatization there you go of of thing that, that like we need to feel like our personal tragedies are inappropriate to share. And you know, it's everybody's going through shit all of the time. And um, I guess my moral is, you know, be fucking chill with people, be kind to each other. Don't ask why somebody's not drinking, even if it's me. Um, <laughs> Fake wine is fucking garbage. Don't ever try to pour that in my glass again. It tastes like fucking Welch's grape juice. Um, and and yeah, shit sucks sometimes, but but everything's fine. We're healthy. We're doing okay. Um, and yeah, I just kind of wanted to sort of talk about that because I think you know we share shit in our life. I share shit in my life. I don't even know your kids' names. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> No, thank you. Thank you for sharing it. And my heart goes out to you and Mikey. And uh, I, I hope you get to come back and share good news very soon. Yeah, we'll see. Also, like three listeners have reached out to me on Etsy um, about doing personal stuff. I will get back to uh, the customized stuff. I will get back to you. I hope you'll forgive that I've sort of been uh, on the download this last week. Please, uh, please. I beg your patience. Uh, we'll, we'll, We'll stop there. You know how to find us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. And again, just want to say thanks for sharing that. I, Mm -hmm. I, it's not easy to talk about any of that stuff. So uh, I'm sure I'm speaking for a lot of (laughs) listeners when I say I appreciate your willingness to talk about that. Yeah. And Hammett, I want to say, like I told Hammett before we recorded last week, and he definitely gave me an out. He's like, we don't have to record. And I was like, no, no, no. (laughs) Currently sitting and wallowing in it is not as healthy as (laughs) you. (laughs) um but anyway thank you thanks for your support him and i appreciate it of course all right we'll talk to you all next week you know where to find us bye all (laughs) bye